I want us to just prayerfully ask three questions. And this is my exercise with you guys every time we read, since we're reading through the entire Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation. We've already read through the whole New Testament, but now we're reading from Genesis to Revelation. And what I encourage you guys to do is to ask three questions as you spend it in the reading of the word. Ask this, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? Second, what are you revealing concerning people? And third, what are you revealing concerning me? Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and to lead you to where the Lord wants you to be. Because if you posture yourself that way, you've postured yourself to hear, not just read. And so we want to prayerfully ask God these questions as we read through the word. And so I will get started. I will pray. And then we're going to read. Father, I ask today, Lord, as we engage with your word, Father, I pray Lord, that you would speak to us. Lord, reveal yourself to us. Lord, give us what we need for this day. Give us this day our daily bread. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 21. Let's go. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, set your face toward Jerusalem, preach against the holy places, prophesy against the land of Israel and say to the land of Israel, thus says the Lord, behold, I am against you. I will draw my sword out of its sheath and cut off both righteous and wicked from you because I will cut off both righteous and wicked from you. Therefore, my sword shall go out of its sheath against all flesh from south to north, that all flesh may know that I, the Lord, have drawn my sword out of its sheath. It shall not return anymore. Sigh, therefore, son of man, with a breaking heart, and sigh with the bitterness before their eyes. And it shall be that when they say to you, why are you sighing? that you shall answer because of the news when it comes. Every heart will melt, all hands will be feeble, every spirit will faint, and all knees will be weak as water. Behold, it is coming that I shall be brought to pass, says the Lord God. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord, say, A sword, a sword is sharpened and also polished sharpened to make a dreadful slaughter, polished to flash like lightning. Should we make mirth? It despises the scepter of his my son as it does all wood, and he has given it to be polished, that it may be handled. This sword is sharpened and it is polished to be given into the hand of the slayer. Cry and wail again. Sorry, cry and wail, son of man for it will be against my people, against all the princes of Israel. Terrors, including the sword, will be against my people. Therefore, strike your thigh, because it is a testing. And what if the sword despises even the scepter? The scepter shall be no more, says the Lord God. You, therefore, son of man, prophesy and strike your hands together. The third time, let the sword do double damage. It is the sword that slays, the sword that slays the great men that enters their private chambers. I have set the point of the sword against all their gates, that the heart may melt and many may stumble. 
Ah, it is made bright. It is gasped for it is grasped for slaughter. Swords at the ready. Thrust right. Set your blade. Thrust left. Wherever your edge is ordered. I also will beat my fists together and I will cause my fury to rest. I, the Lord, have spoken. The word of the Lord came to me saying again, And son of man, appoint for yourself two ways for the sword of the king of Babylon to go. Both of them shall go from the same land. Hmm. Make a sign, put it on the head of the road of the city, appoint a road for the sword to go to Rabbah of the Ammonites and to Judah and to fortify Jerusalem. For the king of Babylon stands at the parting of the road, at the fork of the two roads to use divination. He shakes the arrows, he consults the images, he looks at the liver. In his right hand, is divination for Jerusalem to set up battering rams, to call for slaughter, to lift the voice with, sh with shouting, to set battering rams against the gates, to heap up a siege mound and to build a wall. And it will be to them like a false divination in the eyes of those who have sworn oaths with them, but he will bring their iniquity to remembrance that they may be taken. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have made your iniquity to be remembered in that your transgressions are uncovered so that in all your doings, your sins appear because you have come to remembrance. You shall be taken in hand. Now to you, O profane, wicked prince of Israel, whose day has come, whose iniquity shall end. Thus says the Lord God, remove the turban and take off the crown. Nothing shall remain the same. Exalt the humble and humble the exalted. Overthrow, overthrown, overthrown. I will make it overthrown. It shall be no longer until he comes whose right it is. And I will give it to him. And you, son of man, prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord God concerning the Ammonites and concerning their reproach and say, a sword, a sword is drawn, polished for slaughter, for consuming, for flashing, while they see false visions for you, while they divine a lie to you to bring you on the necks of the wicked, the slain whose day has come, whose iniquity shall end, return it to its sheath. I will judge you. In the place where you were created, in the land of your nativity, I will pour out my indignation on you. I will blow against you with the fire of my wrath and deliver you into the hands of brutal men who are skillful to destroy. You shall be fuel for the fire. Your blood shall be in the midst of the land. You shall not be remembered for I, the Lord, have spoken. One more chapter. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, now, son of man, I will, will you judge? Will you judge the bloody city? Yes. Show her all her abominations. Then say, thus says the Lord God, the city sheds blood in her own midst that her time may come. And she makes idols within herself to defile herself. You have become guilty by the blood which you have shed. You have defiled yourself with the idols which you have made. You have caused your days to draw near and have come to the end of your years. Therefore, 
I have made you a reproach to the nations and a mockery to all countries. Those near and those far from you will mock you as infamous and full of tumult. Look at the princes of Israel. Each one of you uses his power to shed blood in you. In you, they have made light of father and mother. In your midst, they have oppressed the stranger. In you, they have mistreated the fatherless and the widow. You have despised my holy things and profaned my Sabbath. In you are men who slander to cause bloodshed. In you are those who eat on the mountains in your midst. They commit lewdness. In you, men uncover your father's nakedness. In you, they violate women who set apart during their impurity. One commits abomination with his neighbor's wife. Another lewdly defiles his daughter-in-law. And another in you violates his sister, his, his father's daughter. In you, they take bribes to shed blood. You take usury and increase. You have made profit from your neighbors by extortion and have forgotten me, says the Lord God. Behold, therefore, I beat my fist at the dishonest profit which you have made and at the bloodshed which has been in your midst. Can your heart endure and can your hands remain strong in the days when I shall deal with you? I, the Lord, have spoken and will do it. I will scatter you among the nations, disperse you throughout the countries and remove your filthiness completely from you. You shall defile yourselves in the sight of the nations. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. The word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, the house of Israel has become dross to me. They are all bronze, tin, iron, and lead in the midst of the furnace. They have become dross from silver. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have all become dross, be, therefore behold, I will gather you in the midst of Jerusalem as men gather silver, bronze, iron, lead, and tin into the midst of the furnace to blow fire on it, to melt it. So I will gather you in my anger and in my fury, and I will leave you there and melt you. Yes, I will gather you and blow on you with the fire of my wrath, and you shall be melted in its midst. As silver is melted in the midst of the furnace, so you shall be melted in its midst. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have poured out my fury on you. Hmm. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, say to her, you are a land that is not cleansed or reigned on, an, on in a day of indignation. The conspiracy of her prophets in in. Sorry, in her midst, like a roaring lion tearing the prey, they have devoured people. They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made widows in her midst. Her priests have violated my law and profaned my holy things. They have not distinguished between the holy and unholy. They have made known, nor have they made known the difference between the unclean and the clean. And they have hidden their eyes from my Sabbath. So that I am profaned among them. Her princes are in the midst like wolves tearing the prey to shed blood, to destroy people and to get dishonest gain. Her prophets plastered them with untempered mortar, seeing false visions and divining lies for them, saying, thus says the Lord God, when the Lord had not spoken. 
The people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and needy. They wrongfully oppressed the strangers, so I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy. But I found no one. Therefore, I have poured my indignation on them. I have consumed them with fire of my wrath, and I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. I am inclined to read uh, chapter 23, since it's of the same theme. And so I'm going to read chapter 23 with you guys, and then I'm going to share a few thoughts. The word of the Lord came again to me, saying, Son of man, there were two women, the daughters of one mother. They committed harlotry in Egypt. They committed harlotry in their youth. Their breasts were there embraced. Their virgin bosom, bosom was pressed, was their press. Their names, Ohola, the elder, and Oholiba, her sister. They were mine, and they bore sons and daughters as for their names. Samaria is Ohola, and Jerusalem is Oholiba. Ohola played the harlot, even though she was mine, and she lusted for her lovers, the neighboring Assyrians, who were clothed in purple, captains and rulers, all of them desirable young men, horsemen riding on horses. Thus she committed her harlotry with them, all of them choice men of Assyria, and with all whom she lusted, with all their idols, she defiled herself. She was given, she has never given up her harlotry brought from Egypt. For in her youth, they had slain, they had lain with her, pressed her virgin bosom, and poured out their immorality upon her. Therefore, I have delivered her into the hand of her lovers, into the hand of the Assyrians, Assyrians for whom she lusted. They uncovered her nakedness, took away her sons and daughters, and slew her with the sword. She became a byword among women, for they had executed judgment on her. Now the younger sister, Oholiba, saw this. She became more corrupt in her lust than, than she, and in her harlotry more corrupt than her sister's harlotry. She lusted for the neighboring Assyrians, captains and rulers, clothed most gorgeously, horsemen riding on horses, all of them desirable young men. Then I saw that she was defiled. Both took the same way. Hmm. But she increased her harlotry. She looked at men portrayed on the wall, images of Chaldeans portrayed in vermilion, girded with belts around their waists, flowing turbans on their heads, all of them looking like captains in the manner of the ba Babylonians of Chaldea, the land of their nativity. As soon as her eyes saw them, she lusted for them and sent messengers to them in Chaldea. Then the Babylonians came to her into the bed of love, and they defiled her with their immorality. So she was defiled by them and alienated herself from them. She revealed her harlotry and uncovered her nakedness. Then I alienated myself from her as I alienated myself from her sister. 
Yet she multiplied her hollow tree and calling to remembrance the days of her youth when she had played the harlot in the land of Egypt, for she lusted for her paramours whose flesh is like the flesh of donkeys and whose issue is like the issue of horses. Thus you called to remembrance the lewdness of your youth when Egyptians pressed your bosom because of your youthful breasts. Therefore, O Libas, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will stir up your lovers against you from whom you have alienated yourself. And I will bring them against you from every side. The Babylonians, all the Chaldeans, Pekad, Shoah, Koah, all the Assyrians with them, all of them desirable young men, governors and rulers, captains and men of renown, all of them riding on horses. And they shall come against you with chariots, wagons and war horses, with a horde of people. They shall array against you buckler and shield and helmet all around. I will delegate judgment to them. And I and they shall judge you according to their judgments. I will set my jealousy against you and they shall deal furiously with you. They shall remove your nose and your ears and your remnant shall fall by the sword. They shall take your sons and daughters and your remnant shall fall by devoured. Sorry, shall be devoured by fire. They shall also strip you of your clothes and take away your beautiful jewelry. Thus, I will make you cease your lewdness and your harlotry brought from the land of Egypt so that you will not lift your eyes to them, nor remember Egypt anymore. For thus says the Lord God, surely I will deliver you into the hand of those you hate, into the hand of those from whom you alienated yourself. They will deal hatefully with you. Take away all you have worked for and leave you naked and bare. The nakedness of your harlotry shall be uncovered, both your lewdness and your harlotry. I will do these things to you because you have gone as a harlot after the Gentiles, because you have defiled, you have become defiled by their idols. You have walked in the way of your sister. Therefore, I will put her cup in your hand. Thus says the Lord God, you shall drink your sister's cup the deep and wide one. You shall be laughed to scorn and held in derision. It contains much. You will be filled with drunkenness and sorrow, the cup of horror and desolation, the cup of your sister Samaria. You shall drink and drain it. You shall break its shards and tear at your own breasts. For I have spoken, says the Lord God. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have forgotten me and cast me behind your back, therefore you shall bear the penalty of your lewdness and your harlotry. Verse 36, the Lord also said to me, son of man, will you judge Ohola and Oliba? Then declare to them their abominations, for they, sh for they have committed adultery and the blood is on their hands. They have committed adultery with their idols and have sacrificed their sons whom they bore to me, passing them through the fire to devour them. Moreover, they have done this to me. They have defiled my sanctuary on the Sabbath. Sorry, they, they have defiled my sanctuary on the same day and profaned my Sabbath. They have slain their children for their idols. On the same day, they came into my sanctuary to profane, profane it. 
And indeed, thus they have done in the midst of my house. Furthermore, you sent for men to come from afar to whom a messenger was sent. And there they came and you washed yourself for them, painted your eyes and adorned yourself with adornment. You sat on a stately couch with a table prepared before it on which you had set incense and my oil. The sound of carefree multitude was with her. The Sabaeans were brought from the wilderness with men of the common sort who put bracelets on their wrists and beautiful crowns on their head. Then I said concerning her who had grown old in adulteries, will they commit holotry with her now and she with them? Yet they were went Sorry, and yet they went into her as men go into a woman who plays the harlot. Thus they went into Ahola, Ahola and Oholiba, the lewd women. But righteous men will judge them after the manner of their of adulteresses, and after the manner of women who shed blood, because they are adulteresses, and blood is on their hands. For thus says the Lord God. Bring up an assembly against them. Give them up to trouble and plunder. The assembly shall stone them with stones and execute them with swords. They shall slay their sons and their daughters, burn their houses with fire. Thus I will cause lewdness to cease from the land, that all women may be sorry, that all women may be taught not to practice your lewdness. They shall repay you for your lewdness, and you shall pay for your idolatrous sins. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. <clears throat> we're going to read 24. And the only reason why we're going to read 24 is because, and I'll just share a short thought with you guys uh, this morning, but the reason why we're going to read uh Chapter 24 is because it closes a section in which um, Ezekiel is issuing judgments on Israel. And so we're going to read 24 and then afterwards I'll share I'll share a thought or a thought or two. We'll see where the Lord leads. Um, I have a lot of thoughts, but we'll see where the Lord leads as we spend time just reflecting on his word. Chapter 24, again, in the ninth year, in the 10th month, on the 10th day of the month, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, write down the name of the day, this very day, the king of Babylon started his siege against Jerusalem this very day and utter a parable to the rebellious house and say to them, thus says the Lord God, put on a pot, set it on and also pour water into it, gather pieces of meat in it every good piece, the thigh and the shoulder. Fill it with choice cuts. Take the choice of the flock. Also pile fuel bones under it. Make it boil well and let it simmer in it. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, woe to the bloody city, to the pot whose scum is in it and whose scum is not gone from it. Bring it out piece by piece on which no lot has fallen for her blood is in her midst. Set it on top of a rock. She did not pour it on the ground to cover it with dust that it may be raised up with fury and vengeance 
I have set her blood on top of the rock that it may not be covered. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, woe to the bloody city. I too, I will make the pier great. Heap on the wood, kindle the fire, cook the meat well, mix it in the spices and let the cuts be burned up. Then set the pot empty on the coals that it may become hot and its bronze may burn, that its filthiness may be melted in it, that its scum may be consumed. She has grown weary with lies and her great scum has not gone from her. Let her scum be in the fire. In your filthiness is lewdness because I have cleansed you and you are not cleansed. I will not be cleansed of your filthiness anymore till I have caused my fury to rest upon you. I, the Lord, have spoken it. It shall come to pass, and I will do it. I will not hold back, nor will I spare, nor will I relent according to your ways, according to your deeds. They will judge you, says the Lord God. Also, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, behold, I take away from you the desire of your eyes with one stroke, yet you shall neither mourn nor weep, nor shall you, uh, nor shall your tears run down. Sigh in silence, make no mourning for the dead. Bind your turban on your head and put your sandals on your feet. Do not cover your lips and do not eat man's bread of sorrow. So I spoke to the people in the morning and the evening my wife died. And the next morning I did as I was commanded. <clears throat> and the people said to me, will you not tell us what these things signify to us that you behave so? And I answered them saying, the word of the Lord spoke to me saying, speak to the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I will profane my sanctuary. You er your arrogant boast, the desire of your eyes, the delight of your soul, and your sons and daughters whom you left behind shall fall by the sword. And you shall do as I have done. You shall not cover your lips, nor eat man's bread of sorrow. Your turban shall be on your heads and your sandals on your feet. You shall neither mourn nor weep, but you shall pine away in your iniquities and mourn with one another. Thus Ezekiel is assigned to you according to all that he has done, you shall do. And when he comes, you shall know that I am the Lord God. And you, son of man, will it not be in the day that I take from them, their stronghold, their joy, and their glory, the desire of their eyes, and on which they set their minds, their sons and daughters, that on that day who escape will come to you to let you hear it with your ears. On that day, your mouth will be open to him who has escaped. You shall speak and no longer be mute. Thus, you will be assigned to them, and they shall know that I am the Lord. I figured this was a better place to to close our time of reading since from chapter 25 on we're going to uh, we're going to shift into God's judgments on the nations, the neighboring nations. God is speaking through Ezekiel issuing judgments to the children of Israel. 
And then he's going to speak through Ezekiel to issue judgments to the other nations, the pagan nations. Ezekiel is um, a powerful book for many reasons, but maybe often many reasons that some of you may not immediately see or perceive. I I want to remind you, as you're reading this, to be sure to create a degree of separation when you read. Because if you insert yourself too close into this text, you're going to misappropriate and misapply the actual scripture. If you guys have been with me on Patreon, when we've done our Bible studies, we have Bible study, by the way, on Wednesday or tomorrow. Or if you guys have engaged with me through Bible study on whatever platform, you know that I've said this over and over again, that it's so critically important to read scripture in the right context. Because if you don't, you're going to start thinking all kinds of things. Your mind is going to go in all kinds of directions. You're going to begin to read this and you're going to start saying, man, you know, God hates me and God hates, you know, look what God does to people when they disobey him and look what. And so we can find ourselves falling into a rabbit hole because, again, we're not reading the text in the proper context. And a lot of times that's what we do, especially when we're reading the Old Testament, especially when we're reading the Old Testament, because somehow we force ourselves into text that wasn't even directed towards us, that didn't even apply to us. This is not a book. Let's say this one more time. This The Bible that you're reading, this right here. It may look like a book. It may be bound like a book. It may be organized like a book. But it's not a book. <laughs> Can I say that one more time? You see the Bible? This right here. You see that? It looks like a book. It's bound like a book. It's got a cover like a book. It's it, it, it's a book. Isn't it? No. The Bible is not a book. The Bible is a collection of books. And some of the books that we call books in the Bible aren't even books. They're actually letters written. These are the experiences that the children of God are having with God. The interactions that humanity is having with God, and we get to see it from different perspectives and different angles. Let's stop interpreting this as just a book, but rather an encyclopedia, an encyclopedia of experiences that bring revelation to who God is. So you read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. No, that was written by a, an author. Then you read Joshua, Judges, Ruth, all different authors. Then you read Ezekiel. This is another author who writes this book. You read Jeremiah, another author. Lamentations, 
another author. We'll go through and read these. Pro- these are all different authors. These are collections. And it wasn't until centuries later that these were even perceived to be or or at least codified and collected as a book centuries after the death, resurrection of Jesus Christ, that these were even collected and brought together as a book. These are collections. Why is this important? This is important, family, because the when we read this, we don't want to read it from a in a sequential format. This is layered. There's so many layers to this. So many, so many prongs are coming out of this wheel. Ezekiel is just another prong out of the wheel of the experiences that Israel has had. We have seen this before. Okay. We have seen this before. I'm so glad uh, Melanie started. This is helping you because we misread the scripture and we miss the message and the point of the scripture. Because I think a lot of us have read this as if it's some kind of book. This is chapter one of the book. And then we get to chapter two of the book. And then we get to the next book in the book and then the next book. And so we read it that way, not realizing, hold on a second. Some of these books came before the others. Some of them are overlapping with the others. Some of them are happening at the same time as the others. At the center of this book, what binds this book together is a story of a people. Okay? I feel like I'm doing a Bible study here. Um, I, I want to say this, but I have to give this context because it's so important. I, only, I know I only have a few minutes, but I want to make sure I remind you of this. That this is a story of a people. That's why we get into exegetical errors when we read the book of Exodus or we read the book of Leviticus or we read these other books because when we read it, we go, yeah, look, Exodus so-and-so says, do not do dot, dot, dot. Was it speaking to you? Who was God actually speaking to in that text? Thou shalt not. Well, the Bible's telling, the Bible tells us, no, the Bible didn't tell us <laughs> the Bible told them. <laughs> oh, how many of us have fallen into that? Where we read it, we go, well, the Bible says, do not do this. No, the Bible told them, do not do X, Y, or Z. Why is all this important? Because this, at the center of the story, are the children of Israel. This is a story of the children of Israel. At the center of this is the children of Israel, beginning with the promise that God gave Abraham in the book of Genesis. What was Abraham's covenant and promise with God? Abraham's covenant with God is that he would become the father of many nations and that he would father nations that would bring reconciliation of humanity to God. And in that, he was setting them aside to be 
the mediators for God. He was setting them aside to be a nation of priests, not a nation more powerful than other nations, but a nation to bring other nations to him, Yahweh. I am. And sometimes we miss that because, again, we insert ourselves into this text and make it about us. This is not about us. I'm only saying this because I want you to see Ezekiel in the right light. This is hard to read, fam. You read this and you go, man, God is mean. Many people have said that before. Like we read it and go, man, God is mean. But you didn't know the covenant that God had with his children. You didn't know the promise that God had on him. And you didn't know the standard that God had for the children of Israel. And the standard and the promise that they committed to with God. And so the Hebrews, correct, the Hebrew people, the children of Israel, they're called the children of Israel because they're literally the children of Israel. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Israel had 12 sons under covenant. Those 12 sons became 12 families. Those 12 families became 12 tribes. Those 12 tribes became a nation. It was the children of Israel. It's funny because they were referred to as the children of Israel, did not become the nation of Israel until the institution of Saul as king, which wasn't even part of God's plan. God even said, I gave you a king out of your own ignorance because you already had a king. Yahweh is your king. Why does all this matter? Because we know the story of Israel. And what Ezekiel is doing here, because we, 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 <laughs> they're literally his kids. That's exactly right. They're literally Israel's children. <laughs> so it's not this metaphorical thing. It, they're literally the children of Israel. <laughs> um, what we just read if you've, if you've been reading the read and rant with us, you've already seen this. We saw the story of Israel. We saw what happened in first and second Kings. We saw what happened in first and second Chronicles. We've seen this already. We saw how the children of Israel went from king to king to king to king. And, and, and Israel became progressively morally depraved, morally depraved. They kept going down and down and down. We talked about this. Go back and watch the other episodes. You have seen this already. You're just seeing it again from another angle. Ezekiel isn't happening later. Ezekiel is happening at the same time. When we read Jeremiah, it's happening throughout that story that we've been reading. So this is all happening at the same time. Again, I'm not going to get into specificities because I'm not afforded that. I only got like five minutes with y'all, but I'm only saying that we've seen this already. The only difference is, is we're seeing the same thing transpiring from another's perspective. What Ezekiel provides to us is what's happening to Israel 
from the perspective of an exile. What we're reading from Ezekiel is what God is doing in the story of the children of Israel for the sake of the reconciling of the world. This story that's transpired, we're just seeing it from another vantage point. It's the same story. It's not happening later. And Ezekiel, who we've already spoken about, is an exile, a prisoner of sorts, disenfranchised in a foreign land, has an encounter with God at the beginning, sees a vision, and then God reveals to Ezekiel prophetically what Israel has been doing. They have been performing. I want you to understand how seriously God took the tabernacle. The tabernacle represented the very presence of God. It was a sacred place where they would go and worship. And now instead of worshiping Yahweh, they are worshiping pagan gods. You say, okay, why does that matter? The statues, it's just, it's why, why is God making such a big deal from this? It isn't what simply they worshipped. It's what they worshipped and how it influenced how they lived. And that's the one thing I want to leave with y'all, fam. I want to make sure you hear me loud and clear. When people talk about worship, they often talk about songs they sing, scripture they read, how often they go to mass or to church. When they think about worship, they think about when the reality is, is worship is not where you go and what songs you sing. Worship is about how you live. For many who say they worship God, the reality is no, they sing songs that look like worship. But your worship is not going to be determined by what you do on Sunday when you go to church. Your worship is determined by how you live when you leave it. I always, for a long time, for a long time, I hated the question of where do you go to worship? As if you go to a place to worship. No, no, no. Worship is not something you do in a location. Worship is a way that you live. It is a lifestyle. And some of us, we see the story and we go, well, what's the big deal? Because get this, the idols that you worship are going to drive the way that you live. If you worship money, it's going to drive you to greed. If you worship affirmation, it's going to drive you to people pleasing and promiscuity. If you're driven by the idol of comfort, 
It's going to lead you to misappropriate the gifts that God has given you. This is the issue is we just look at the idols and we go, well, it's no big deal. It's just the worship of that. Why is God so angry? He's angry because of the fact that it motivates how they live from here on out. And I think we miss that it's not just the statues that they put in the very presence of God. But it's what happens and flows out of that. Everyone is a worshiper. Everyone. If you're an atheist, you're still a worshiper. If you're an agnostic, you're still a worshiper. If you are a Christian, you're a worshiper. If you're a Buddhist, you're a worshiper. Just go across the board. You're Satanist. You are a worshiper. We have been hardwired to worship. We worship athletes. We worship celebrities. We worship science. We worship intellectuals. We are wired to celebrate and to worship. Everyone is a worshiper. But watch this. Who or what you worship is going to drive and motivate how you live. So I ask you, based off of how you live, who or what do you worship? Because we just simply see the statue in the sanctuary of God, and why is that such a big deal? Because it was what was coming out of that. They were sacrificing their own children, mutilating their own kids, sacrificing their firstborn. They completely abandoned all the values that God gave in his law. It changed how they lived because how you worship God is going to motivate how you live. I don't care. I don't care what your denomination is. I don't care about your tenets of faith. I don't care about what you believe because you can talk, 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 talk all day about what you believe. I'm going to know what you believe by how you live. You want to know my faith? Look at my works. What did James say? He said, I will show you my faith by my works. And there's a lot of folks who they see how you live and they don't care about what you believe. Because if that's how you live, then what you believe don't even matter. We give lip service to God about what we believe. But the question is, and it's going back to what I said yesterday, is do we really live in submission to Yahweh? Or are we ruled by other idols and other gods? Because get this, any other idol other than Yahweh leads to brokenness. And what God is in the business of is correcting these things. We saw this already, fam. We saw Israel. We're talking about exploitation. 
We're talking about sex trafficking. We're talking about sexual abuse and manipulation. We're talking about the killing of children. We're talking about human trafficking. We're talking about oppression, economic oppression. We're talking, this is what Israel became and Israel was supposed to change this. And so all Ezekiel, and we've seen the story already. We saw this. We already read it. If you want to go back, read First Kings and Second Kings, read First Chronicles and Second Chronicles. We've seen it already. We've been on this rodeo before. Okay. If y'all been with me from the gate for the read and rant, we've read all this stuff already. Even as you read all the symbols, the two sisters that were judged. I'll just give you an example because I got to go. But we read this already. The two harlot sisters. He's just, he's just creating imagery. But we saw this already. Remember, Israel was split into two after David. David's family was fractured, split into two. You had Solomon, who became the king of the south. That was Jerusalem. Samaria became the, the kingdom of the north. Israel was broken into nations. You had Judah and Israel. Judah, uh, Israel in the north, Judah in the south. Samaria was the, cap, uh, the capital of Israel in the north. And Jerusalem was the capital of Israel in the south. Both nations fell into idolatry and both nations fell under the rule of the Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Chaldeans. Both of them fell under the rule. This all happened and we saw the nation of Israel. We saw them completely fractured and scattered all throughout the world. We read all this. Now we're reading it from the perspective of a man who's hundreds of miles away in another land as an exile. And this is what he points. He says the older sister is Samaria. He says the younger sister is Jerusalem. And he says everything that they did, he's just telling them who they are. He's exposing who they are. And so we've seen this before. These judgments that are being proclaimed, we've seen this before. But here's what I love about this text is for the promised people, the people of the promise who've committed all these sins, who are experiencing this wrath of God, the wrath of God does not end in eternal death. The wrath of God is a purging for eternal life, for those who've been chosen by him. We're going to be reading the wrath of God on those who were against God. And we're going to see how Ezekiel ends with a hope for Israel. God's not done with Israel. But God's not going to leave Israel where Israel's at. God's got a plan for Israel. He's got a mission for Israel. And I know it's hard reading this. Like, Man, God is so mean. Have you ever thought that God was just bringing things back to order? Israel is practicing all the evils that they have seen. This is the idolatry. This is the harlotry that Ezekiel is speaking about. And yet God still has not given up on Israel. God's just not going to leave Israel where Israel's at. And God is not done with Israel today. 
through Israel, there will be the redemption of all people, all nations, all coming together to one. God wants to use the nation of Israel because his promise is through them. And if it's an encouragement for any of you, God's not done with you either. God is not done with you, not because of what you've done and how you've lived, no matter how ugly it's been. I, I, I'm always encouraged to see what God is doing through the nation of Israel, because now that I see what God can do for Israel, if only God can do that for me. Some of us can look at Israel and say, wow, child sacrifices, exploitation, abuse, manipulation, they're everything that is wrong with the world. And for God to still have hope in Israel, what an encouragement that should be for us. I think that's the point we miss. We're so focused on, man, God seems so mean. But here's where I, I sit. I rest on, man, if God, because I've read this, I know how this ends. It ends with Jesus. <laughs> it ends with Jesus being the payment for God's wrath. However, if I can sit here for a moment and just look at how ugly this is, no one, be encouraged, fam, because I'm about to say something that's so encouraging, so necessary for a lot of us here. No one is too far from God. You have not committed a sin so dark that God would not forgive you. No one can be too bad and commit sins so ugly that God would not forgive you. You are not far gone. God is not done with you. You can't sin your way eternally away from God. You just have to trust in him. You are not too far away. And I don't care how ugly it's been. I don't care how dark it's been. I don't care what you did, how bad it was. Just look at the story of Israel. It doesn't get darker than that. And yet God still had a promise on them. And I believe this, that God has a promise on some folks who may have been distant, who may have done some dark things, who may have sinned some sins that they can't even admit to their spouses, to their friends, to their neighbors, that they can only keep themselves, that they know only they and God. And they're thinking to themselves, God would never forgive me for this. I came to tell you today that there's no sin too great for God's love. There's no act that you committed that will eternally separate you from God because God's act of Jesus Christ on the cross was so much greater and so much better than anything you could have ever done. And it supersedes anything that you have ever done. He loves you more than anything in the world. And you have been forgiven of all your sins. Every one of them. And that's why I'm encouraged today, fam. Because I look at this and I go, Israel is about as dark as it gets, but God is about as good as it gets. And God still remains good even now. 
because as dark as it is for them right now, the story is not over. Father, I thank you that you brought us together. Lord, bless us throughout this day. Let us be encouraged to know that you are with us, that you love us, that you died for us as dark as our sins were, as dark as our actions have been, but you loved us. And so for that reason, Lord, thank you. Thank you for all that you've done. We love you because you loved us. And we say that in Jesus' name, amen. Family, I gotta run, I gotta go. Guys, subscribe on on Instagram. This video will be available right away on Instagram. Also subscribe on TikTok for Bible studies because we do subscriber-only Bible studies. So that'll be awesome. And please support us on Patreon. Join us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. And um, yeah, or you can click the link in the profile as well. Um, and also I have a Discord. So if you're not ready to do any of that, at least connect with us on Discord. I got all my Discord people right now who um, um, are connecting with me. There is a Patreon Discord, Asia. Just go on the um, hashtag Patreons. It should be available to you. Oh, Asia, I don't see, you're actually not designated here as a patron. I know you are a patron. So that's why you can't see all the other pages and chats. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to try to help you out with that because you obviously don't have access. So, yeah, um, I just noticed that. I was like, wait, you don't have the tag for being a patron. Um, but yeah, join my Discord, patron or not. Join my Discord. It's free. Um, and we can stay connected there. Love y'all fam. Okay. Love y'all fam. See you guys tomorrow.